What is up, guys? Welcome back to Fit Body Secrets, where my mission is to bring you guys inspiration, motivation, and a ton of tips to help you guys on your fitness journey. In today's episode, I honestly want it to be a little bit fun, lighthearted, and, and not really looking to bash any specific diets or diet advice, but I am also looking to debunk some bullshit out there because I think the biggest issues that people face is that they're super driven to achieve a goal but they're trying all of the wrong things to achieve them because they're being sold a bunch of BS from things that they read online. And I'm going to go over a whole bunch of stuff today and I'm not going to go into details on any of them, but just getting you guys to understand that there are a lot of things out there that might be distracting you from what you actually need to be doing to see results. And I'm going to start by talking to you guys a little bit about the stress I am about to add on myself because I love doing these things. So um, I often talk a lot about how I think challenges are also a BS strategy for weight loss. And they really, it's not that I think that they're BS. I just think that some people tend to only focus on their nutrition during that 30 days. And a lot of these nutrition challenges don't have an exit strategy to teach you guys how to maintain beyond the challenge. Like doing whole 30 is great, but at some point you're going to probably want to add some foods back in. And not knowing how to do that can end up triggering people to either self-sabotage or obviously never get anywhere. So what I'm going to be doing is a four-week summer sprint, um, the summer sprint, summer sprint Challenge. It's going to be starting on May 1st and will go just before Memorial Day. And the real goal is to take people that are super driven to really see fat loss and they want to see fast results. They're willing to do the work if they know the right work to be doing. Now, this is going to be on an application-based only um, acceptance to the program. I am not going to be just letting anybody in because I want it to be for people that are actually ready for this. It's not going to be super strict, but there is going to be some parameters there because if you guys want to see fast results, I'm going to show you guys what it takes to achieve fast results that actually last. And beyond that four weeks, you'll be able to have the opportunity to continue on um, or you've got enough knowledge to hopefully help you um, obviously feel like you can look pretty good for your Memorial Day weekend. So that is going to be coming up. Um, there's going to be a weekly meeting. You'll be able to come on those live or you'll be able to ask questions. Um, and then you can obviously watch the replays, whatever works best for you. I I do a lot of these. I usually try and do a challenge about four times a year. I just think it's a great way for people to kind of like refocus and re refresh. And, and this is why I want this challenge to be something that you guys are committed to. And I don't want people that are not committed. So I am going to be doing a application for this challenge and no, not everybody's going to be accepted in because I want there to be people that are quality. I'm not saying that everybody out there isn't quality, but I want people that are actually really ready to see changes. So let me just pop over the comments in case you have, Hey, good morning, Miss Jody. So I hope you're having a good day. Well, it's actually 1220 now. So kind of the afternoon. Um, but so that's going to be about the challenge. And, um, if you guys have more questions about it, stay tuned because I am going to obviously be talking about it a little bit more on my social media in my Facebook group and all that kinds of stuff as well. So that's a little bit of a plug for some free coaching or actually lower ticket coaching because it is going to be a small fee, um, because I am going to be doing coaching with you guys. And I want you guys to get a little bit more than just my old challenges, which is like you doing the work and I'm showing you how to do it. I actually want to actually coach you guys. That's why I'm also keeping this to a limited amount of people because I only got so much bandwidth and I want to be able to go enjoy the semifinals and my birthday because May is also my birthday month. So um, I'm excited for all that good stuff. But so today's episode, as I was talking about, we're going to go into some, I didn't know what to title this. So I did title it. Like, I think I titled it dumb diet advice because 
there is just so much garbage out there. Um, and I want to start before going into this stuff is to tell you is to help give you guys some education on what you should be looking for when you are looking to take advice from somebody in terms of nutrition and all those types of things. Um, what makes good advice and what makes good coaching programs? Well, I'm going to be honest. There are some really good nutrition coaching programs out there. There are also some nutrition coaching out programs out there that aren't necessarily bad, but they're not really the best thing for everybody, you know? And, and, and this is where I find a lot of people that come in like, wow, Cheryl, not blowing smoke up my own ass. Like, I can't believe how thorough you are in your check-ins. I can't believe that you actually look at these things. I've never experienced that before. And it was like red flag for me. I'm like, what are your nutrition coaches actually doing? A lot of nutrition coaches out there just look at macros. They just look at your weight and say, hey, well, you're not losing weight. Let's just drop calories. There's so much more to it than that. So what makes good advice? Okay, well, number one, you want to be looking for evidence-based. And, and that means that there should be some science behind it. It's not just take a look at these results and this product got these people results. You have to understand the science behind why those transformations happen. And a lot of it comes down to a lot of the tactics that people are selling you. All they're doing is doing one thing, finding a way to keep you consistent with creating calorie deficit to see fat loss. That's all they're doing, whatever it is. The supplements, the strategies, none of that stuff matters. That is the bottom line, what they're trying to do. And that's why with my coaching program, there isn't any specific diet protocols. There are foods that I know are evidence-based to increase the thermic effect of feeding, which means they're going to help burn more calories. They're also higher nutrients to help you guys fix and, and optimize hormones and energy and all these things. So I give you guys all the science-based foods you should be eating along with the amounts of them that you need based on your feedback, based on your specific goals, based on your specific training program. And I'm not the only coach out there that does that. I'm just telling you guys, this is what I do. There's a lot of coaches out there that are going to do the same thing, but there's also a lot of coaches out there that don't do that very same thing. And that's what you want to be looking for in a coaching program. If you're going to pay for a coach, you want to pay for somebody who's actually going to give you the full coaching that you deserve. Okay. Other things to look out for when it comes to advice is, is it too good to be true? I wanted to start my own little, what are they called? I, an acronym tg tgtvb tgtvt <laughs> because too good to be true like are they selling you achieve these results in 30 days you know this is going to be effortless for you guys a lot of that shit is going to be bullshit they're trying to sell you something and in fact a lot of those transformations i can go off on transformation photos guys do not buy into transformation photos here's why okay so a lot of these companies want their clients to get really fast results and really dramatic results why? Because now they have a dramatic before and after photo to show you. However, what they don't show you is the mental and physical consequences of those fast, drastic changes when they're not given a proper uh, exit strategy and they end up rebounding and gaining more weight. That's not what you guys want. So oftentimes these transformation photos also have a very different transformation photo that you're not seeing the weight they gain back. And that's not what we want. We want sustainable changes. Okay. So at the end of the day, even if you can't get to your goal weight, you, you kind of get into a place where you're like, I'm just not mentally in a place to go any further. Everybody leaves my program. I want them to maintain their weight loss. I don't want them to regain their weight. So whatever, if they get to their goal or they're kind of like, I'm just burned out. I need to quit a little bit early. They should be able to maintain the weight that they have lost. That's a very important part of a good coaching program. All right. 
So going into some of the dumb diet advice, um, and I'm going to start, guys, I have so many written down, and I didn't even touch the surface of all of them. But we're going to start, I kind of try to categorize them a little bit for you guys. And I'm going to start with one of the first ones, and I actually made an Instagram reel about free foods yesterday, um, is this is a great piece. As long as it's healthy, eat as much of it as you want. That there's actually foods out there, it doesn't matter how much you eat of them, just they're free. Uh, a lot of people think vegetables are free. Uh, a lot of people think that even proteins aren't free are free. Um, I mean, we can, we can go into Weight Watchers, but like there's a list of free foods that I pulled up from Weight Watchers that are free. I think I still have it on my phone. I should look. Um, but it's like bananas and pears and apples. And there's just so many things on there, eggs, all of these things on there that are quote unquote free. And I'm like, how are any of these foods free? They all have three eggs is 210 calories. Okay. Like that's not a free food. And it's about 15 grams of fat. Like that's not a free food. So there are no free foods. Now I'm not telling you guys, you shouldn't be eating healthy foods. You got to eat healthy foods to get good nutrients in, but it doesn't mean that calories don't matter. Second thing I wrote down here was on the opposite. As long as you count calories, it doesn't matter what you eat. This is another big problem because even though there is some truth to that, meaning I can lose weight eating, you know, a thousand calories from pizza or a thousand calories from broccoli. Um, it's going to be very different in terms of how I feel and the able, the ability to be able to maintain that long-term uh, hunger, leptin levels, nutrient deficiencies, hormone imbalances, a lot of things are going to make it very hard for your body to function long-term. It's essentially starving your body of nutrients. So it, it can't just be uh, eat healthy, eat as much as you want, or count calories, eat whatever you want. The, neither of those two schools of thought are going to get you results. So we want to find something different. And the last one I put on here is um, as long as you cut out carbs, you don't need to worry about calories or as long as you cut out fat, you don't need to worry about calories. This is so wrong. Like carbs are not the problem. Fat is not the problem. There is really no problem category of food. So you guys have to realize that there is, there's a balance of knowing what you should be eating quality and how much of that you should be eating quantity. So, and that's really, really important for everybody to understand. So wanted to go over those tips. Those are like the main overarching themes that people run into. When I was eating paleo, man, I was smashing food. In fact, I have no problem eating protein. Like, gotta love paleo for that because I was literally, you take me to Texas Day Brazil, man, give me that green card. I was just like, bring it on, meat sweats all day. I had no problem putting down things like, you know, almond butter and avocados and nuts and dried fruit and bacon wrapped dates and all the proteins, but it also was negatively impacting my body composition and was not fueling my performance. So all that stuff doesn't really matter. All right. Let's go into some more of the specific ones that I've heard of here. Okay. Uh, other things. And the, and the reason I'm saying these guys is if you guys are trying to lose body fat, increase your performance, you guys are really looking to get leaner, get healthier, get fitter. A lot of these things are distractions from the main principles that I just discussed. And I want to be able to help you guys with that. That's also why I'm doing my summer sprint. So let's go down the rabbit hole now of some of the other things I hear as far as bad nutrition advice. You got to cut out all processed foods. Guys, most foods are processed. In fact, anything that's canned, bagged, frozen is, is processed. You have to realize that processing is part of, you know, making foods fresh, keeping foods fresh and, and obviously safe to consume. 
So we can't just demonize processed foods. I think what people need to realize is that there is a, a category of foods that I like to call highly palatable foods, which are things like cookies, cakes. I talk about them all the time. You want to obviously limit those because they're really easy to overconsume in calories, but you don't have to cut them out at all. If you want to lose weight, you just have to be able to control your portion sizes to keep your calories in check. So you don't have to cut out processed foods to lose weight. You don't have to cut out sugar. This is another one. Oh, you just have to cut out sugar. Stop eating sugar and you'll lose weight. No, what you're trying to do is cut out those highly palatable foods to cut out a source of calories and sugar is not the enemy. In fact, most of your carbohydrates, all of them, in fact, will at some point become simple sugar in your body. So sugar is also not the enemy. Sugar does not, you know, yes, in isolation, if all I was doing was having table sugar, I am going to have a spike in my blood sugar and then a drop, but including sugar in your diet is not a bad thing. By the way, I think people think that by replacing sugar with honey, it's like better. It's the same fucking thing. So like just because you're not, it's not labeled sugar doesn't mean it's not still sugar in your body, but they're not labeling honey as glucose, right? Or sucralose or, or sucrose. They're just labeling it as honey or table sugar. So you got to get out of that routine. Another big one. I see this as a huge problem with people that are trying to make lifestyle change with their nutrition is they avoid salt. They, they're so conditioned to be like, I've got to eat everything without salt on it. So their food tastes like shit. They're literally not flavoring their food because they're afraid of eating salt. They're like, well, it's going to cause me to retain water. No, it's not. And, and what is so wrong with water in our body? Like our body is made up of primarily water. Having water in your body does not mean that you're fatter. <laughs> Having more body fat makes you fatter. Salt does not make you gain body fat. So if you have a heart condition and the doctor tells you that you have to avoid eating salts, that's a different story. But for the, for the sake of changing your body composition and for being healthy, if you don't have any heart, heart problems, you should not worry about salt intake. In fact, if you live in a hot climate, you likely should be having a little bit more salty foods to help replace the sodium that you're losing when you're sweating. I just got done working out a little bit long, a little while ago and my clothes were drenched that I literally had to change. So I know I sweated out a ton of water. All right. So that's another thing. Don't stress about that. And those are just some of the simple ones. Now let's go to some more specifics. Avoiding specific foods or specific food groups. People are being told that if they want to lose fat, they got to cut out an entire school of foods or an entire macronutrient. So they're cutting out carbs or they're cutting out fats altogether. Or they're like, if I cut out dairy, maybe I'll lose weight. If I cut out gluten, maybe I'll lose weight. Maybe I'll go on the carnivore diet to lose weight. Maybe I'll go on the vegan diet to lose weight. Guys, all it comes down to is calorie control. Now your macronutrient breakdown is also going to factor into how many calories you can diet on. If you're eating a higher protein, higher vegetable content diet, you can probably diet on higher calories than if you're eating a lot of processed foods because the thermic effect of feeding. Once again, I'm going to feed you guys science and evidence because that's what you need to hear. You don't need to hear bullshit marketing tactics. That's what I'm here to talk to you guys about. All right. So that's just going over that. You don't have to cut out any specific food groups to lose weight. How about this one? This is a big one. Even I fell into this trap when I was eating paleo. Eating more fat helps you burn more fat. This is a very BS thing. And this whole keto thing has got me like, thank God the trend is dying because I think people are realizing like, eh, not really working for me. Not very sustainable. Uh, they often see a lot of results. It stalls out and they're like, fuck it. I'm going back to eating carbs again. Right? So why cut out the carbs? You lose weight just to put it back on. So just as bad as, you know, those dramatic transformations. Eating fat does not help you burn more fat. All right. This is an episode in itself, all right? When you go on a ketogenic diet or a low-carb diet, 
calories still count for losing fat. So the only reason you're losing fat is because you've restricted calorie intake. If you cut out an entire food group, you cut out an entire source of calories. All right. When it comes to burning fat versus carbs, eating fat does not mean you burn more fat. It just means that you don't have any carbs in your body. So this, the source of fuel that you're burning is fat. It doesn't mean you're burning more fat. So eating dietary fat and burning body fat are two very different things. Okay. Burning dietary fat versus burning dietary carbohydrates or glucose or glycogen is going to be done at the same rate based on your calorie expenditure. The type of food you're eating does not change that. It just means that you only have fat available. So this is as simple as it is. So don't worry about eating your carbs. In fact, most of you guys should get into a healthier relationship with eating carbs. Um, here's another one I put down. You got to eat like every two or three hours to lose weight that like you got to keep your metabolism revving. Totally not true. And honestly, I think people get so stressed about this. But what I will say is eating frequently throughout the day can sometimes increase your compliance for nutrition because a lot of people that eat frequently throughout the day are like, I feel like I'm eating so much food because every couple of hours they're able to eat something. So it ends up being almost like less restrictive. Um, they actually feel good about their food and they're keeping their energy levels up throughout the day. They're also getting a steady stream of amino acids being broken down, but it doesn't necessarily rev up your metabolism. That's a myth. If you can only fit in three meals and a snack, that's all you get in, you know, whatever works best for your schedule. Uh, another one I put down was that specific foods are going to speed up your metabolism. Like people are being told that like MCT oil or you can go to the fat thing or bulletproof coffee um, or cinnamon or, you know, cayenne pepper. Um, it, it, these foods are going to obviously speed up your metabolism. Totally fucking bullshit. There is no foods out there that are going to speed up your metabolism. Now, once again, there are thermic effective feeding, uh, sorry, there's foods that have a higher thermic effective feeding, which means they burn more calories. So if you want to, you know, want to eat more and see better results, um, I do believe that eating a higher fiber diet does produce a higher fiber and higher protein diets do produce a little bit higher of a thermic effective feeding, which means you can diet on more calories. Um, that is just common sense. You know, you're going to be burning more. So think of it like this. I always give people the analogy of a wood chopper. If you got like a wood chopper and you are putting a whole oak tree in there, okay, the whole, whole oak tree, that's like your whole foods in your fiber. It's going to take a lot longer to digest than like, you know, a couple of pretzels, you know, for the same amount of calories or, you know, smooth, like even like smoothies and, and juices and all those types of things. So you want to think about how long it's going to take to digest and how much effort it's going to take on that wood chopper is essentially your gut. This is where people also go into the, they fall into the pitfall. Like, Oh my God, I'm so bloated. I'm so I'm getting fatter. I'm gaining weight. No, your digestion is just reacting to the amount of food you're now putting in it. It's not used to that. So I usually recommend people kind of like increasing things slowly to get them up to that. Okay. Those are some of the basic ones to start with. And I've got a whole bunch more that I'm going to go on. I'm just kind of looking over here. Hey, Bruce, just kind of saying hi to everybody. Robbie Gilmore, M2O. Yes, agreed. It is not even worth. Um, and I am trying to give you guys all the reality, guys. It's it's just what it is because there's just so much BS out there. I've fallen into the trap of BS and uh, God, the amount of diet books. In fact, I have to go clean out my storage unit and I'm going to actually show you guys. I'm going to take a picture of it. I probably have a good 20 different diet books in my storage unit. Like everything from like one of the original Weight Watchers points books zone diet, which I don't really not, it's not that I don't love the zone diet. I actually like the balance of it, but there's things about it, but yeah, that's what I want to do today. I really wanted to go through some of the BS stuff and just kind of knock some things out there. So you guys on that are watching live, if you have ones that I don't cover, 
that you want to know more about, just shoot me in, in the, in the comments so I can actually talk to you about it. If there's like one that you've heard of that I don't mention today, just let me know. All right. Going into some more specific, uh, diet BS that I hear about a lot of diet lies. All right. This is not really a lie. It will work, but it's the, it's, it's bad advice. A lot of companies, I'm taking a sip of my coffee guys. Um, a lot of companies out there that are looking to get people fast results and they get frustrated with clients that are not really understanding how to make balanced meals. They throw the fucking shake at them. Just do a shake for breakfast and lunch and then have a protein and a vegetable for dinner. So they tell them basically just to replace everything with a shake or a bar. That is not teaching anybody ever anything. And I'm going to be honest, who wants to live on a shake for the rest of their life? Now, I like my smoothie bowls, but I don't want to be told that I can only eat a shake for breakfast and lunch for the rest of my life. There are some applications for this in terms of like if there may be some people with some, when you talk about evidence, if I'm working with somebody that might have a ton of food sensitivities or um, possibly some gut stuff, I might do a short period of time where I'm eliminating things and limiting their food groups, but I give them options of not just a shake. This is a very case by case, but this isn't even a fat loss related change that I'm making with that person. It is a health related change. And I'm actually trying to figure out what might be causing some of the issues. So replacing meals with shakes is going to get you nowhere. Now you can lose weight pretty quickly when you replace, you know, if you're eating a five or 600 calorie breakfast and now you're having a hundred calorie shake, surely, but you can do the same thing by having a yogurt. <laughs> like it's not that complicated. So I think the shake is just a band-aid. Um, another going into some more specific stuff is, um, that you need to do like a detox or a cleanse as like a jumpstart, going to give you full transparency, guys, your body is detoxifying and cleansing itself every single day. Every time you wake up and you have a good bowel movement, good little poop sesh, that's your body getting rid of some of the toxins. All right. Having more fiber, getting more fruits and vegetables in is also going to naturally help detoxify your body. But detoxification and removal of inflammation takes time. No two, three, 10 day cleanse is going to do that. All you're going to get from that is feeling a little lighter because you now pretty much shit your brains out for three or four days. <laughs> That's pretty much all it is. <laughs> so these detoxes don't do shit on a, on a cellular level to repair anything. This is also where yeah, fasting, fasting is another one. I think people are like, oh, fasting is so good for inflammation and hormones. Not necessarily, because is it the fasting that's causing the issue or the changes, or is it the fact that this person is now in a calorie-restricted diet that is actually allowing their body to get rid of fat cells, which is where a lot of inflammation is stored? So if you like to fast, that's great. But I also think that it's bad diet advice to tell people that they have to fast. I was going to my next one that I put on here, because I think that people think that that's magic. Oh, I'm going to do this intermittent fasting thing. Well, all intermittent fasting is doing is restricting your calorie intake to a smaller period of time and allowing you to be in a calorie restricted diet for a longer period of time. So if that works for you and you feel great, awesome. But for a lot of people, especially women, they should not be looking at fasted protocols. Who should not be using fasting protocols? Anybody that lives a high stress life, a lot of, a lot of work, doesn't sleep well. Um, women, most women should not. In fact, women need to understand that most of actually all of the fasted protocols that have been studied have been done on men and rats, not on women with very different hormonal needs. Okay. So fasting is not the best way for most women to see results. I had to go over that. Um, 
a couple more things that I put on this list here, guys, I have so many to talk about, is that you can't eat after 7 p.m. and that you have to eat breakfast. Okay, very opposite, but the same. Your body does not know the difference between an apple that you ate at eight o'clock at night or eight o'clock in the morning. You're not going to burn those calories any different. Okay. So, and the other thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize that their sleep disturbances are often caused by not eating something before bed. They get a, it's called, uh, not, what is it called? I can't think of the thing in my mind. Oh fuck. I can't, I can't remember it. It's a reactive hyperglycemia. So basically in the middle of the night, um, your blood sugar drops from having no food available because your body is working while you're sleeping. It causes cortisol to rise, which causes your blood sugar to drop. Okay. So all this stuff happens. You wake up and you're like, why am I wide awake? I feel kind of like I need to eat something. I don't know. I don't need to eat something. It's three o'clock in the morning. And you start to judge yourself and you're thinking about work and you're thinking about scrolling through social media. Oftentimes that can be fixed by incorporating a nighttime snack. So, um, you can eat after 7 PM. I don't recommend something super heavy because obviously we don't want to be having to get up and go to the bathroom. We don't want to have all that stuff sitting in our belly. That's going to be like, you know, really gurgling and making us feel uncomfortable. We're sleeping, but you should definitely eat a meal before bed. I always eat a meal before bed. I like my smoothie bowl with some cereal on top breakfast. Once again, the thing I'll say about breakfast is that I think a lot of people struggle to get enough protein. And by simply just adding in a protein heavy breakfast, it can be a great way to start your day. Um, so you don't have to have a, if you don't like to eat a lot in the morning, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I would say getting some protein in, it might be that Greek yogurt or a whey protein shake, you know, or putting some collagen in your coffee. I right now have right now, my go-to this coffee right now is I normally just do the almond milk and some of my skinny syrup, but I am loving adding since my shoulder, the shoulder surgery, I added in collagen protein and I've been using the first form. Um, right now I had their French vanilla. So far, my favorite flavor has been the peppermint bark though. That's been awesome. Or peppermint, peppermint mocha. It makes the coffee just a little bit creamier, almost like a latte. And I love it. So, but once again, breakfast is up to you. All right. Now we're going to go into a couple more things that I got on here to talk about. Um, and this is good for all of you guys that are CrossFitters out there. I think, I think everybody that's watching this right now, um, is CrossFit. Um, here's the deal is that a lot of people out of the CrossFit space, and I, I'm going to be honest, there's nutrition coaches out there that are former CrossFit games athletes. And I think you guys know that I've been in the games a few times, actually 11, 12, 15, 19, 21, five times. And I'm going to go back in 2024 and my plans to win, but tangent, um, all you hear about from a lot of, not all, but a lot of them talk about how broken CrossFit made them and how their body got so lean when they stopped doing CrossFit. It's bullshit. Okay. When you're chasing performance, you gotta be literally training so many hours of a day. You should not be focusing on your abs. Right. Um, and the reason I say CrossFit is specifically because there's this like thing about specific programs are bad for fat loss. And a lot of people say that you should do less CrossFit. In fact, I think Octavia is like, tells you not even to work out. Like you got to stop working out while you're on their diet program. Such freaking bullshit. Right. So like that's, and, and Jody, yes, the bulletproof coffee is BS, but we'll kind of go into that. So, um, but, but yeah, like it's bullshit. Okay. The best training program for you is the one that you're going to put full effort into and show up for every single day. All right. Now I'm going to be honest. If women's goals are, I want to build muscle and they're only doing orange theory or like cycling, they're not going to build muscle, right? Like that's just saying like, 
I want to build a puzzle, but I'm over here playing with Legos. Like it doesn't fucking make sense. But and I'm saying the fuck word a lot today. I don't know why. Um, so it's just like, it doesn't make sense. But the program that you follow, it doesn't matter what it is. You got to be able to do it consistently to see results. It's got to be measurable. So like whether you're doing bodybuilding and you're progressively overloading and cross that you're seeing that your numbers are going up, you know, you got to be seeing some ways of getting fitter. And that's really the main thing. Like it doesn't, the program is not the problem. Now, like I said, if your specific goals aren't in line with the program that you're following, that might be an issue. If you're chasing performance and you want to go to the CrossFit games and you're chasing abs, like that's not going to get you anywhere. Um, you got to chase one or the other and know the blend between the two. Doesn't mean that you might not have to get leaner to get fitter. That's also part of this too, is, is understanding that like getting leaner should not mean decreases in performance unless you're already too lean. If you're too lean already, then you probably don't need to be losing weight, but getting leaner does not always mean that you're going to see a decrease in performance. So there is no bad fitness programs out there. The worst fitness program is the one that is like going to be just a temporary band-aid. You know, like you need something that you can push yourself out. I shouldn't say that there is no bad programs out there. There's just programs that are misapplied for where you're at in your life. It's like, so for instance, I started with uh, Beachbody. I had my very first workout program that I stuck with was called Slim and Six. Um, it was like one of the first Beachbody programs out there. I think that there was Tony Horton. Tony Horton didn't even have, didn't even have P90X at this point. This was before P90X. Um, but it was consistent. It had weight training built in. It had some cardio built in. It was an hour, hour workout video. Was that a bad program? It's not applicable to where I'm at now in my fitness. It would not give me the same workout, but it didn't mean that it didn't work. It actually helped build a consistent workout schedule for me. It got me comfortable using some weights and I was progressing on those weights. I had to keep buying bigger dumbbells. And then I eventually was like, Hey, I need more than this program can offer me. So I'm going to start going to the gym. So it's not that it was a bad program. I just outgrew it. And a lot of people outgrow their boot camps and things like that. You can't stay the same and, or you can't be doing the same thing over and over again, expect to get better results. You're going to have to eventually outgrow those programs. Even with CrossFit, you might outgrow the class. You might need to find some other way to push yourself. You might need to be adding in some after, you know, so many years of doing the classes, you might realize, Hey, my strength deficiency is not getting any better. I need to start doing some extra strength work. You know, like that's what you have to figure out in terms of that. There's no bad workout programs out there. There's also no good, like this is the best program for burning fat. There is no good or best workout programs for that. In, in fact, in the reality, guys, when it comes to how to get results, you got to be lifting weights, you got to be getting out of breath, and you got to repeat. It's that simple. So like how you do that is up to you. There's a number of ways you can do that. And as long as that, that's probably the best way to look at your specific workout program for fat loss. There's a bunch of ways you can build that out for yourself or follow along. But you don't have to stress about, about changing your workout program. Speaking of workouts, next one I wrote down um, is the myth of fasted cardio. Oh my gosh, this is a good one. Now, I'm going to be honest. I do two fasted cardio sessions a week, but it has nothing to do with burning fat at all. Because your body's not going to change what it's burning in these, in these settings. Um, once again, if you're trying to create fat loss, calories in calories out, we're trying to create that calorie deficit. Fasted cardio does nothing for you in terms of increasing your results. In fact, it might actually hinder your results because in a fasted state, you are also likely going to move a little slower. So your intensity is going to go down. 
Now, I think people also don't understand what fasted cardio is. All right. So when you eat before bed and you wake up in the morning, you're really not training fasted because your body is going to be utilizing that last meal of the night and whatever you eat the next day as glycogen for that workout. You won't actually be depleted of glycogen until about an hour in. At that point, then you're tapping into fasted cardio. So uh, in reality, like I think Bruce, Bruce Wayne, I think you do do some of the fa uh, fasting protocols on the weekends. So essentially, <laughs> I love that. But there's your book title from Horton to Glassman. I freaking love that. Um, I, Bruce, I believe you do the um, fasting on the weekends. So essentially, Bruce is fasted for maybe call it two days. On Monday morning, if he doesn't eat before his workout, he is training fasted. Now, that's not the best thing for fat loss. Why? Because like I said, you're going to be depleted. Your body's not going to burn as many calories because your intensity is going to be a little bit lower. What I use those fasted sessions for is more of a mind thing. 100% transparency is that in the CrossFit games, um, you often will find that there's times where like you don't have enough, you don't have time to eat a meal or like, or if there's whatever a case in a competition where like, I didn't have a chance to eat something beforehand. I need the confidence of knowing that my body can still push itself in a state where I didn't have fuel on board. It's more of a mental thing than anything and has nothing to do with fat loss. The other reason I use it is that on my Thursdays, that's my rest day. Um, I try and because I'm fucking starving on my rest day, um, full transparency, I could literally eat a, a freaking bulldozer full of food. Like I am always hungry. Um, but on my rest day, I know that I'll be thinking about food a lot more. So I do try and push off my first meal a little bit longer. So whereas I usually train twice a day, I normally get up coffee, food, let that digest for about an hour. And then I work out on my active recovery Thursday. I typically will drink my coffee, go work out because I'm not going to work out the rest of the day. So I will do that first, put off that first meal just to save myself the calories for later on has nothing to do with the fat loss benefits, everything to do with like, Hey, I'm going to control my calories better. If I just skip that morning meal, that's the only reason I use it. And the only reason it really works guys. So if that works for you, go for it, but just know that your intensity is going to be a little bit lower. And I'm okay with my intensity that day, that day being a little bit lower. Another big myth and or fat loss diet, diet, stupid diet advice is that you need, this goes along with the fat burning foods is that you need specific supplements to see results that you need to be taking like COQ10 or MCT oil or, you know, wh whatever the freaking supplements are. Guys, there is no supplement out there. Even a lot of these fat burners, all they do is increase the thermic effect. So you end up sweating and maybe moving a little bit more, but that's all they do. You honestly want to do something and save yourself some money, make it a point to fucking walk. Like that's the dumbest thing that people need or easiest way to, to gain weight. That's the smartest advice. You want a better fat burner, like walk more plain and simple. That's, I mean, when I increase my step count, I always drop weight. Not that I'm trying to, but like my weight always drops. So, but people undervalue the, the just those little changes and how that can make such a big difference. Man, I'm already 35 minutes into this episode. I'm like on fire right now. I'm not even, I'm actually, I'm getting close to the bottom now. Okay. All right. Going into some more dumb diet advice. And this is a big one for those of you guys out there that really struggle um, with the mindset stuff. Like maybe you feel like you've been trying to lose weight for so long and it's just like you're so over it that you just want to give up. Okay. The one piece of advice that I hear thrown around a lot is like, you just need to eat less and you just need to move more. Okay. It's not that simple. 
And it is that simple, but it's also not that simple. Yes, we need to create a calorie deficit. But when you're telling that to a woman who is working or a man working 60 to 90 or 60 to 80 hours a week, juggling three kids, trying to go to the gym, trying to take care of the side hustle, trying to get sleep, taking care of the pets, dealing with extracurriculars, eating less and moving more is the least of her problems. All right. So, and oftentimes you have to understand the application of this. Sometimes people are moving entirely too much. I've got some people that are like doing double cardio sessions and X, Y, Z, and they're doing too much orange theory. I'm like, you're stressing your body out entirely too much. Eating less when you're already eating less is also not always a solution. I can't tell you how many people in the past, like probably this year, I feel like it's been more of a thing that I feed clients more and they get better results. I've had more people come to me needing reverse diets than actually needing to eat less. And they lose more weight eating more. It's just an amazing thing to see it happen. So I actually think I'm going to showcase uh, one of my clients in one of my next episodes where you guys can actually see this because I just had this talk with her yesterday. She was, when she first started with me, she was at 1800 calories and we were in a cut and she cut some weight. Now we've built her calorie intake up to, up to about 2,500, 2,600 calories a day. And now she's down to cutting on about 2,100 calories a day. And she's down over 30 pounds and looks freaking amazing. And by the way, she's like crushing her gym routine. So it's not always eat less, move more. There's a lot more to it than that. All right. Now we're going to go into some of the more fun ones. I got two big ones here. All right. So I get this a lot. I just want to eat intuitively. Yeah, that's great. So you're going to keep eating the donuts. You're going to keep eating the snack food at the, at the office. You're going to keep going to alcohol when you get stressed out because intuitively that's what you're being told to eat. Your, your, your habits have shaped those foods as what you go to. And if you keep eating intuitively, you're going to keep getting the exact same result. I talk about my program being about going from eating intuitively before you work with me, eating intentionally while you're working with me, going back into eating intuitively because you eat intentionally. And now the food you eat is going to be changing. Eating intuitively is the worst advice for people trying to lose weight. Worst advice, because you're realizing that the reason they're overweight is because their dietary habits have created the body that they have now. In order to change that, you're going to have to be a little bit unintuitive. Now, a piece of intuition that we never take away is a person's food preferences. If you're craving sweet, salty, crunchy, soft, hot, cold, you know, what type of food you like, that should all be part of a well-built program. But just listening to your intuition isn't going to be the right thing for you guys to get results. Just saying that. Uh, another piece of advice is this whole concept of like eating super clean and then giving yourself one day a week or or a few hours a week or a one meal a week where you can eat whatever the hell you want. Okay. What is this teaching people? Okay. My diet's so restricted that I need to have a night where I don't have to think about it. Well, what if your kid wants pizza on a Tuesday night? Now you can't have pizza on a Tuesday night because it's not your cheat night. It, you know, you, you guys have to realize that the cheat meal mindset is, is, uh, I had an episode on cheat meal mindset. It's horrible diet advice. 
And honestly, I think it leads to more binge tendencies than anything, binge restrict tendencies, which honestly keeps people stuck in the same cycle. Okay. So those are all of my topics that I had written down. I'm sure there's tons more that you guys are going to talk about, tell me about in terms of dumb diet advice, stupid diet advice. But I also want to go over four things that I wrote down that um, I feel like are, this is not the topic of today's episode, but it's also, it's kind of a tag along. And maybe I could just record a second episode on this. And I'm just going to talk about these few four things shortly. And then we can kind of maybe, uh, maybe I'll, de- I'll kind of t- go more into depth on my next episode. Um, a few misunderstandings that I think go along with these diet myths is number one, you're not eating enough to lose weight. Okay. I just spoke to you guys about reverse dieting. The truth of the matter is not eating enough is not why you're not losing weight. You can actually lose weight by eating less. However, the problem is, is that when a person has been eating, call it 12 to 1300 calories a day for the last two years, their body has now adapted to maintain its weight on that 12 to 1300 calories a day. So in order for us to get that person who is eating very little to lose weight, I would have to drastically drop their calories into the below a thousand and likely get them moving more to get them to lose weight. And neither of those things are going to be very sustainable. So this person would need to learn how to slowly bring their calories up to allow them to diet on higher, uh, higher calories. So we would want to restore calories to about, you know, let's just say their total daily energy expenditure is averaging, you know, calculated at 2,100. We want to want to find a place, a way to get them up there. That takes time. We don't want to do that quickly because they're going to put on weight. Your body's adapted to that. You start give it more food. It's going to start to store it. So it's just the nature of things. So that you're not eating enough to lose weight is, is not true. There is truth to it, but people misinterpret it. This goes along with number two, that you have to repair your damaged metabolism first. Now, what I just mentioned to you is not a damaged metabolism. It is an adapted metabolism. When we talk about a damaged metabolism or metabolic like derangement, we're looking at things like a person's, you know, insulin resistant, they're like diabetic, they're having all these things that are going on metabolic, their body's not healthy. Um, these don't need a reverse diet per se. They likely need a more, most of these people are eating highly processed foods and just not eating enough nutrient dense foods. They often need a, a little bit of a culture shock in terms of types of foods they're eating and the macronutrient breakdown of those things. They don't necessarily need to repair their damaged metabolism. The only way they're going to repair it is by fixing their nutrition. It's not that they need a reverse diet. It's that they need a better diet protocol. When it comes to the case number one, they're not eating enough to lose weight. That person is not damaged. They're adapted. So we just need to get them eating more or ask them, hey, I'm going to obviously cause more harm than good by dropping your calories because we will see changes in hormones and things like that. Your hair will fall out. And do you want that? Some cases people are like, I will do anything to lose weight. Usually not what they need though. So um, those are two big misunderstandings. Number three I wrote down is that you don't need to pay attention to the scale. Yep. I wrote that down because People have a very unhealthy relationship with the scale. Um, they use it as a measure of self-worth and or progress and or if the weight is up on the scale, they look fatter. And if they didn't step on the scale, they wouldn't know their weight and they'd walk around their day feeling a certain way about themselves. It has nothing to do with the scale. The scale isn't necessarily something that you want to avoid. 
because it is a measure of your progress. If you're trying to get leaner, you are going to see the weight going down. It's how we know how to adjust things. You got to pay attention to the scale. However, you have to understand the scale as a metric and your weight is not just fat and muscle. Your weight is also the fluids you're drinking and the food you're eating and the poop in your belly and all these different things, right? So, and the water in your muscles. So we want to make sure that what we're trending, that we're watching is trends. So when you're paying attention to the scale, I recommend weighing yourself daily, at least three to four times a week. Um, not just on the weekdays, on the weekends as well, because you want to see how your weight fluctuates. And then what you want to do is get the average for week to week. So if I have my weight is like, let's just call my weight 128 and then 127 and 129 and then 126 and 128, 125, 128. I want to take the average of that week. All right. So I add them all together, divide by seven. It tells me I'm 126.2. Great. Next week, I do the same thing. I see my weight and I'm on a weight gain trend. So it's maybe it says 128, 129, 127, 128, 129, 126, 128. Maybe I had a, a, a day where I ate too early and my food was off, whatever. Next week, I'm you know, 127.2. Okay, I went up 1.2 pounds, whatever it is. That's what you're looking at, the average per week, okay? That's the number and the factor that you look at. And as a nutrition coach, that's what I look at. So it's not getting hung up on getting on the scale every day. It's, is it going to be down or up? It has nothing to do with success. It's like, all right, let's evaluate my data at the end of the week and see what I need to change for the next week. That's how we do things, all right? And then the last one, and then I'm going to let you guys go about your day, is that uh, slow and steady versus quick and weight loss. So slow and steady is better than fast. Now, this is an it depends scenario. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you just watch me completely pour coffee all over my face. Give me one second. I'm in a freaking mood today, man. You know what this is? Let's tell you what this is. I've actually had a couple good nights of sleep. What kind of coffee are you drinking? I wish it was Paper Street coffee. I love that. I, I have an espresso. This is just a Starbucks um, espresso pod. But I just literally, I just literally went to drink and it just like went all over my face. But I'm, I'm done to the last one. All right. So slow and steady versus quick weight loss. This is an it depends scenario because you have to think about the number one factor is mindset here and how long a person has to go. So as I mentioned, I'm doing a summer sprint. This is going to be quick. It's not going to be about losing 30 pounds in 30 days, but we want to see a little bit drastic, more drastic results. Slow and steady is when you have a hundred pounds to lose, you want to be looking at what works best for you. You know, some people are happy, like just doing gradual loss, but the problem with gradual is sometimes people's metabolisms adapt very quickly and that makes it very hard. Like they don't see as fast a progress. They might need a little bit more drastic changes and then breaks built in. There's not really a slow versus fast, but the real goal is understand that you want to have consistent changes. And for some people, like I said, intervals, we're like, all right, I'm going to go four weeks, super hard, really focusing on fat loss. And then I'm going to go up maintenance for a couple weeks. And then I'm gonna do the same thing again. That is mentally easier for them. So think of it this way. You got your people in the gym. Some of them like those long Murph style, work, Murph style workouts and others are like, Meh, I'd rather do like an every two minutes, a 15 calorie bike sprint. You know, me, the bike sprint, not going to be my thing. That's going to be very painful for me. The Murph workout, I can pace that pretty well. Right. So 
it just depends on the person and how their mindset works. So that's all I got. All right. So by the way, Bruce, have you had the paper street coffee? Because I had it at Wadapalooza and I actually like really enjoyed it. Like that was a cup of coffee that I was like, I could totally like, I would buy this coffee online and I'm not like really bougie about my coffee. I mean, I like my Nespresso, but um, anyways, but that's all I got guys. Do you guys on uh, that are listening live still, if you are listening, have anything to add in terms of like weird diet, like advice you've heard or anything like that? And I'm finishing this because after I finish with you guys, I'm gonna go out for my second session, which is some CrossFit. My morning session was just some rowing intervals and some bodybuilding style work and some sleds because I'm still in recovery from my uh, uh, surgery. I can't wait for it to be cleared for 100%. But do you guys have anything else to add today? Nothing? Jody, anything else maybe from you or Robbie? I like when you guys are on here and I'm in a good mood because I'd like to see if I can help you guys out with anything. All right. Well, if anybody wants more information on my upcoming challenge, um, I will be putting information out on that tomorrow in on my social media um, and all that kinds of taking chia every morning. Increase. Oh, that's another good one, Robbie. Yep. Chia seeds. I get a lot about seeds being like magical. Seeds are going to fix all your, all your issues. Like just literally I should, if, if I was more creative with my Instagram reels, I have so many ideas. Like I could just, pour seeds all over me like oh, magical way to lose weight. But yeah, that's another good one. I mean, I think back to when I was in my paleo days and all the things that I heard about that were like magical for fat loss, but there was a diet I tried called the warrior diet. It's basically like fasting, whatever. So carb backloading, that's another one people do. But uh, guys, I'm a, I'm having a good time today. I hope you guys all have an amazing weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to my next episode. Let um, me talk a little bit about my journey in terms of my little update on my shoulder. Um, give you guys a little bit of the 411 on that and kind of like looking at what the off season has looked like so far for me since mine started a little bit earlier and going into where I'm going to be in the summertime, which is obviously hopefully getting back into some snatching and some jerking and all that kind of stuff is what I'm hoping for. I honestly was not looking to get back to muscle ups or snatches until I think it's an August 1st. Um, and I honestly think I will be okay before then because um, I've been using the ring thing in my garage, which is a scaled muscle up essentially. Um, and I feel pretty safe and comfortable with that. I will not do any kipping. Um, but, and I can do kipping toes to bar now. I'm not going into this update now. It's been literally almost an hour of me talking today. So I'm going to go get my second session in. I hope you guys all have an amazing Saturday and I'll talk to you guys all in the next episode.